we took the last week off so there's that we could play catch up and either talk about a negative story or a feel-good story which one do you want to do first you know what for once let's do the feel-good story i agree okay or i i will i will give a supporting opinion did you did you have a negative story if i went that one i have two and we're still going to talk about the negative story okay okay i have both again with with the intros i i don't i don't really have a strategy anymore i just put i just put mute the stuff that i thought would <laughs> would elicit an opinion and i have a private slack channel where that stuff goes <laughs> um i think it's private it's got a little lock next to it okay so i sent you a link so there's uh this person I forgot, I think it was Jody or somebody uh, on uh, the 538 that recommended following this person. So Haley, uh, Haley Bird is a reporter for the Weekly Standard, and, and she's a very good Twitter follow. Like, a, a lot of good timely stuff about the news, and, and, and she's funny, and, and it's all good. But apparently her, fee, uh, her boyfriend, um, and you'll put a link to this tweet in the, in the show notes, her boyfriend uh, does not know how to eat a Kit Kat. And I, and I sent you a link. And it is just one of the standard four bar Kit Kat things. It was just a gigantic chomp taken out of it. So that that went viral ish, and uh, everybody all, everybody on the internet had a field day with it. Uh, look look at this look at this rube that doesn't know how to eat a Kit Kat. But then it it got way better in the sense that uh, they had been dating for a while, and that guy actually ended up proposing to her. And let me send you a link. Uh, Kit Kat helped with a 3D printed uh wedding ring holder. <laughs> and even though this is kind of like weird like social media corporate uh, like branding advertising is this whatever like native advertising thing. Like even though it's in kind of like an uncanny valley area that I think this is a really cute story. They 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 put a little mold that's uh, a Kit Kat. He got down on one knee and presented the wedding ring. And and it's it's just it's adorable, and it makes you think that the world's okay. I think this is tremendous. Yeah, they look so happy, and also that's that's a really fun use of the Kit Kat. Wow, yeah, that's that's really good. Um, I do have a comment on the original tweet. <laughs> yeah, the more interesting part of that, sure. <laughs> I I have definitely eaten a Kit Kat that way, not well because I didn't know how, but just because. You're impatient. I mean, let's be. Let's, yeah, let's be real. This is the most efficient way to eat a Kit Kat. It is breaking not. off. No, it's it's uncivilized. Well, I've I've never claimed to be civilized, so mm. I guess I guess that's fine. It's on, it's on on brand, as you would say. This is like uh, what's hmm. I can't think of a fine dining term for it, but like it's it's just it doesn't make sense because it's it's a it's a segmented food product. It's like if you had like a sleeve of Oreos. And rather than eating a single Oreo, you took a, just a gigantic chomp out of four of them in a stack. Yeah, but I see, I'm see, I'm also the type of person who, with string cheese, I don't bother. Oh, come no, pulling off Get the it. strings. I I just eat the whole thing. Let me hold on. Let me just check something. Look at our show. 164 episodes. We had a good run. <laughs> Didn't really know you were a, you were a, one of those string cheese. That's oh, that's that's that that's upsetting. <laughs> that's like finding out you put your oh a dock in OS ten on one of the sides instead of the bottom. Would I would I not be welcome in your new restaurant, which we'll we'll get to here in a little bit? Uh, we probably won't, but uh, <laughs> no, we we wouldn't turn you away. Okay, good. 
Yeah, no, it, it would just we, we would try to re-educate you. But you know what? You know it's yeah. Anyway, this is fun, and that that was cute, and the story, or sorry, the um, what do you call it? Uh, it was just a fun thing for like it's just been such a shitastic couple of months. It's fun to have anything that that's good. So this, I, I sent you a link in the thing, which a story that this reminded me of, um, which I don't think we talked about either on air or off air. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Reichert is a, a video game journalist that I follow and really enjoy. Just a super funny, nice guy. And he has just an, uh, well, no pun intended, but an unbridled enthusiasm for mm. <laughs> <was intentional>. Taco <laughs> a little bit, Taco Bell. And it just so happened, I mean, this is like just, it was just meant to be. It it so happened like a couple of months after he got engaged, Taco Bell put out this contest where couples could submit a video telling Taco Bell why they wanted to be the first ones married at this uh, Taco Bell location that was going to be opened in Las Vegas, which has a chapel up on the second floor. Um, and of course, uh, Dan and his fiance, now wife Bianca, won, and they they got to be the first ones married in this Taco Bell. And actually, what was kind of funny, I mean, not not to uh, pull a forty five and make this all about me, but um, <laughs> uh, I was actually in Las Vegas that same weekend, and we were just walking around the Strip. And the the night before this was going on. Um, that Taco Bell had just opened. And so we actually stopped by and like looked at the wedding little venue thing that they had. Um, so that was, that was kind of, kind of neat to see. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was a, I'm probably biased because I, I just really enjoyed Dan, but, um, I just, I thought that was also sort of a good example of where on its face, you might think it's sort of like a, um, again, not pardon the pun, but kind of like a cheesy branding thing, but um, I actually thought it was pretty sweet. I'm having difficulty hating this. They seem like fun people. They, the, it, the, they're they're really great. The only part of this that I will take issue with is that there's a Taco Bell that has well, one Las Vegas is is the worst period, but that there's a Taco Bell with a chapel on it. But a lot of this is fun. Uh, there, there's a there's a, a a bridal bouquet of hot sauce packets. Like th- this, th- this looks cool. And, you know, I, for what it's worth, the, you know, this doesn't come through on radio, as you know, but I'm using air quotes. The chapel is really just sort of a second level to the restaurant. It's, it's not really a, not really a chapel. Has it ever been used for any other purpose other than this? Well, I mean, like when we stopped by, it was just extra seating area for the restaurant. Got um, it. But like, but weddings are not a routine thing at this time. Oh, no, they the, are. No, they are. The, this uh, is, so Dan and Bianca's was the first, but this is now something that, you know, when your lucky day comes, you could, if you want, you can <laughs> sign up for this. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, Dan actually also did just to, to get a little bit of like a nerdy accounting angle to this too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so Dan, I, I listened to the podcast that he's on and he's been, he's been pretty open talking about like the whole experience and everything. And so this, this package that they got included a bunch of things It included, you know, obviously the wedding ceremony itself. It included the cost of him and his wife to fly out to Vegas along with, I don't know, five or 10 members of their family. It included their hotel, a concert, all this kind of stuff. 
Um, and of course, when you win a contest like that, <laughs> the tax implications, the, the fair value of mm. everything that you win becomes taxable income. So Dan had this whole thing about how much in taxes he had to pay. And it was um, not an insubstantial amount. It was basically the price of a wedding. <laughs> so, so he ended up kind of basically paying for the wedding. But, you know, of course, it was a, a very unique experience. So it, it, it was worth it, I think, ultimately. But sure. he ha I don't think he had originally thought of that. Yeah, people never do. Uh, okay, well, that's fun. Yeah, I, I, sometimes advertising and branding and stuff like that go can go sideways, and sometimes it's too heavy-handed. But I also I I, I appreciate stunts like this, where some sometimes it can just be fun. Mm -hmm. And and if there's some some goodwill given to the like, it's, it, this is not going to be you're not going to find surprise pop up wedding sponsored by Exxon Mobil. Like at least it's a brand that there's fun with, right? Okay, I got one, before we get to the negative news, I have one more tweet, and you can explain. You can explain something to me. Is uh, is Pitbull uh, famous? Unironically, unfortunately, I think so. Yeah. Okay, and and I don't mind his music. Like I, I appreciate. Like I like. There's a there's a lot of bad music, and at least his music seems like fun. And and I appreciate that he's Mister Three Hundred Five and Mister Mister Worldwide. But apparently, somebody sent him a picture of the uh, a some type of Pokemon inside of Pokemon Go that they had uh, labeled Mister Worldwide and put sunglasses on. And apparently, Pitbull saw this and and replied uh, with Dale, which I think means "go ahead" in Spanish. <laughs> so this is another thing where the world needs something that's not that that's just frivolous fun and and i i appreciate that pitbull whose twitter bio is mr worldwide musician entertainer entrepreneur and that has jesus 27 million followers on twitter <laughs> oh you know what i think oh. i think what all of these stories have in common um, at least from sort of the, the brand angle and why we're okay with it is I really enjoy companies that are very self-aware. And I think, I think this, like all like the whole, the Kit Kat thing, the Taco Bell thing, and now the Pitbull or Mr. Worldwide, as you would call him, mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they all, it's all, it's all them sort of kind of poking fun it's self -aware. at themselves. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I really, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, do you ever have the thing where, or like, it, it blows up in the internet's face? And this is a thing that the internet loves when a brand like takes itself too seriously, or they start getting like cease and desist and takedown on like something just because somebody had like a, had a little fun with their brand. Like, and this is this is the polar opposite of that, right? Like, stuff can be fun. We we the world's on fire. We can have fun with things. And listen, we can we can all be a little ridiculous at times. Like, we don't all have to be you know, perfect, you know, people or brands that like never make mistakes. You make a mistake, you poke a little fun at it, you know, or you have some like weird quirk about you or some weird story about you, you poke fun at it, you move y on. Yeah. Like Apple, how they totally came out and were very upfront about their defective keyboards. And like, they were like, you know what? We're sorry. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. That didn't happen. Oh, okay. Mm. Mm -hmm. did, you, us, did you just do like the john stewart thing where you, you you know you put the the two fingers up to your ear and someone's telling you i'm bummed i had to uns uh, i had to i canceled what what is it called in tivo now 
I had to cancel my one pass. The the new Daily Show is not doing it for me. I miss Jon Stewart, and I, I miss man all all like of these weekly satire things that aren't last week tonight with John Oliver are, are are getting a little much. I don't know. I think that's one of the, the one of the worst byproducts of the Trump era is that he he's he's killed comedy. It's kind of it is kind of strange that both Colbert and Stewart went off the air right before the time that we could have kind of used them the most. Well, and 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 that's the problem where I think I've talked about this a little bit in the past, but like Colbert when his first when his show first came out, I thought it was really good and it just wasn't tracking well with viewers and then Trump got elected and now it's just nonstop just kind of like you know like it's it's like the sassy anti-Trump stuff which which I mean there's a market for and is well deserved and and it, it, it is making the country worse by the day oh, sorry Trump not Colbert but it's not it's not really that funny and I don't know I just there's only so much humor that you can consume in a day that deals with the president I don't know late night TV is in a weird spot mm-hmm yeah. Anyway, I have one last thing before we get to the negative news because I, I I looked back in my uh, in my notes. Uh, I want to take I want you to take a guess at something. Uh, Canada has uh, something called the um, National Music Center, which is kind of like a rock and roll hall of fame sort of in Canada, and they have one really prized possession from a Canadian musician. And I want to see if you can guess what it is. <laughs> oh man. It's something from like Celine Dion. They probably do. I actually don't think they have a lot of Celine stuff because she she is pretty uh, like top tier, and I think that might be beyond this place. It has to do. With, I think of a of a of a crooning uh, type of uh, holiday guy. Did you say crooning? Crooning is that a word? Yeah. Is that on the SATs? Are you messing with me? No, I I I don't. You, I you've never I heard of the term what... crooner. I don't, I don't think so. No, it's kind of like uh, it, it. It's well. So it, in this case, it would describe one uh, Michael Bublé, but there's a lot of uh, like it's kind of like a poppy jazz singer. Like we're kind of. I actually think. Um, Hold on, is Michael Bublé Canadian? Oh, most definitely. Seriously, oh, he's as Canadian as Drake. Or I mean, yeah. Hmm. Oh, how did you not know this? I. Because hmm. we every time we talk about hmm. Mr. Pouple, this this is this is this is most of where my jokes come from. What? No, really? He is very Canadian. Come, I. Has, has your world been upended? Are you gonna, are you gonna <laughs> delete all his music from Spotify? It might. We might need to reschedule the show. I might have. I need some time. So anyway, so I bring this up because um, the uh, uh, Canadian National Music Center in Calgary, uh, presented by Bell telephone company has uh on display michael buble's stage outfit which is his signature <laughs> suit uh-huh and he used it during the uh 2013 uh to be loved tour and on the webpage there is uh, under cultural significance michael buble is a canadian success story that proves that cr- uh, the crooning sound made famous by artists such as frank sinatra and tony bennett is still very much prevalent as a musical aesthetic well, hey, at least the suit is manufactured in the U.S., so there's that. <laughs> hey, Americans still make something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what we make is outfits for Canadians. But I'm sure now is going to be taxed all the hell when we export it. Oh yes, yes, uh, tar- tariffs to build the wall. <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> that is our transition to negative things. Mm-hmm. No, um, 
And that is, uh, you can, maybe you can look this up. I, I, uh, Vice News had a thing about the, uh, like the accounting of how much Drake is worth to the city of Toronto. And, uh, uh, sorry, Toronto, not Toronto. Um, and it was really, really interesting where apparently there, uh, are you familiar with Drake's work? <laughs> uh, I think everybody kind of sort of is, but do you have any, you have a decent knowledge of him, right? sure so there's um there was some album that he did where he was um like sitting at a like a diner table with like a chalice in front of him it's the album i just google it. it's the album take care um and apparently there's a restaurant in toronto where you can go and make a reservation and sit at the drake table Anyway, the whole Vice News uh, story ended up being that like there was, um, they estimated what was it? What was actually like, so five five percent of Toronto's eight point eight billion tourism economy. Yeah, so it's four hundred and forty million dollars they attribute to just Drake, which actually kind of makes sense because other, like what do you positively associate with uh, Toronto other than the CN Tower? Like he he is a cultural force. I think like there's there's some key figures in Canadian culture. First you have Alex Trebek, you have Michael Bublé, and then you have Drake. I'm still 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 thinking about Michael Bublé being Canadian. All right, well we can we can let people marinate on that. So before mm-hmm. we get into the main thing, because again we we there's a moratorium on follow up this week per your request. Um, I have some Casper news. So I've sent you a link in the thing. Casper is opening up a storefront in New York City, where uh, which is called the Dreamery. Pause for size. You can reserve a uh, a nap nook for forty five minutes at a time. I, I don't at twenty five at twenty five dollars a session. And if you look inside this TechCrunch article, uh, you can sleep on what is, uh, in my experience, a very uncomfortable Casper mattress. They will probably not be a sponsor ever. Um, and you can go sleep in, in, a, in a public bed in the middle of New York City for $25 per uh, rented by the hour, which is usually a term in the past that has not been uh, associated with wholesome activity. Like, this is... I don't get this. Because I get the whole, and we've talked about it extensively, of um, like e- a traditionally e-commerce only going to retail showrooming. Like and like that 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 is the whole of Union Street and Hayes Valley in San Francisco these days, but yeah, the dreamery concept I don't I don't get this other than a place where people are gonna like I guess Instagram these napping pods, I don't get it. I I have so many questions about this. We should we should probably just move on. Oh, sorry, we're not gonna move on because hold on. Plus, uh, the so I'm just gonna read directly from the article. The Dreamery, of course, is a lot fancier than an office couch, as I discovered when I dropped by for a quick tour. Beyond the nooks themselves, there are also lockers to drop off your stuff, private washrooms, blah, 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 and additional amenities like pajamas and headspace sleep casts. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's weird. Well, that, the, the sleep cast things I get, that's, that's headspaces like... Yeah, but is, is it really in their brand? Do they think that's a net positive brand association? What you talk about headspace for them? Yeah, that seems like maybe not. I'm not sure the math works out to be in their benefit for this. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. Um, 
And a Casper spokesperson assured them that sheets are changed between each session. Uh, God, I have, I have so I have so many questions about this. I don't like. The, I don't know. And also, my my again, my beef with Casper, which I I think I've touched upon in the past. They used to do their whole thing where all their podcast ads were about we we have engineered the one true mattress to help all of society, and now they're like, oh yeah, we 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 actually have three mattresses because we found out this was working pretty all right. And selling a nine hundred dollar mattress, uh, we were leaving money on the table. So now we have a new mattress that uh, I think the quote is because I listen to too many podcasts is cradles and adapts to your natural geometry, which is just a plus copywriting. That, that's almost as good as the away. Uh, what is it? What is it like? A first class uh, luggage for- <laughs> at coach prices, <laughs> right? Or sorry, basic economy if you're if you're flying with United. Garbage airline. Um, <laughs> I'm still mad about that. Um. Yeah. Anyway, people can go read about this uh, Casper Sleep Store called the Dreamery. Like I again, this this seems like the opposite of the of the like the Taco Bell Cantina thing. And I know that's a weird association to make, but there's kind of a thing where you can go experimental with your brand and kind of try to make like like maybe take yourself a little more seriously than you should, and it can go one way or another. I think this is going in the wrong direction. Okay, so m- most of my questions are inappropriate, so I-, I won't ask any of those. But the the one question I do have that I'll just put out there on air is it so? Is it someone's job to wake up the person after their allotted time has expired? I assume so, and I also assume there's a thing where it says like if you don't wake up on your own, you were gonna mail a. A cast, whatever the premium version of the Casper mattress says to your house, along with the, <laughs> the set cast, of sheets. The Casper Wave. <laughs> is that the expensive one? Yeah. What did did you send me, or did, did you put a thing in the notes about there was because I've I've noticed this trend where everything is called plus. There were, you sent me a thing about something the Star, Starbucks Plus. I, I the reason I yeah the reason I sent that to you is because I, I thought of you when I saw that. No. It's like it's it's Starbucks's line of coffee that has double the amount of caffeine because. You know, why not? Well, because also we're all just so tired and upset all the time. <laughs> I get it. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm going to Phil's twice a day sometimes. Like, I just, I can't take it anymore. Wow, really? Oh, I, I've never, I've never been to Phil's twice in one day. Oh, sometimes you get in the morning and you're kind of like, I, uh, and you get off a conference call or something, you, you can't take it anymore. And you're just like, <laughs> because you act, because you accidentally, you accidentally make the mistake of listening to the 538 Politics podcast, the daily, and then going on a, a, a boring call and then being like, I, I'm just going to walk into the bay. <laughs> so okay Sorry. so last last <laughs> that was a little dark <laughs> last last, tan- <laughs> last tangent before we i don't know, maybe get into the real stuff we'll see <laughs> um so when you go to pete's or phil sorry not pete's phil's mm-hmm. twice on the same day i'm assuming you're not getting the iced gingerbread thing Ginger snap rather uh, in the same day. So what? Like, what's your two a day strategy? Well, no. So there's a hard cutoff. If it's after, it depends on it's it's a it's an algorithm that's based between the temperature and also time of day. So generally, my hard and fast rule is if it's before eleven fifteen, I will get a traditional hot coffee, which for me, my preferred drink is the Silken Splendor with soy milk, which which is great. So it's 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 a nice medium blend, and it's it's very good. And you just put stevia in it, and you don't get you don't get a, a bunch of sugar in it. If it's after eleven fifteen a.m., that's when it's uh, iced coffee time. And if it's fills, that's going to be uh, your ginger snap. 
So so it's 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 very simple. Okay. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. I'm more of an iced coffee 24 hours a day kind of guy, but but yeah, I get that. Even in the morning, like I don't know, the morning's tough. I don't know. Like the Silk and Splendor is you, you should give it a shot. It's a good it's it's a good wake yourself up thing. They have um what is uh Phil's also has a double caffeine one. It's oh, the, the the Phil the Phil's Plus. Yeah, but it's all, what is it called? It is the the greater alarm which is, which is a pretty good <laughs> that's name pretty that's pretty good yeah yeah um and also the general phil's psa don't ever buy the the mocha tesora because it's just gross it's basically just like a weird caffeinated thick hot chocolate and it's not good because phil's has a anti-espresso thing which i get and that's their thing but just it yeah don't 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 do that yeah that's the 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 lady friend she really only drinks espresso based coffee she doesn't really care for drip coffee so she's very much anti-fills which i you know which i get i get it but now that you guys are in marin uh give give equator a shot and and their uh espresso uh vanilla latte is very very good so if you guys Mm. are in the neighborhood yeah give that a shot okay yeah i wish that and i know this is harder for smaller chains and stuff i wish they had an app just because for me, it's the guarantee of knowing that I'm not going to wait in a 15 minute line because I don't mind if I don't have anywhere to be, but it's always a bummer to go someplace for coffee. And then you're like, oh, I can't get this because otherwise I'm going to be late for work or something. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too much of a gamble. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about actual things. Um, okay. So the big news of the week um, on Monday night, the pre- no, we're not talking about that. LeBron. <laughs> Is going to La LeBron, yes, yes. So, so the Lakers want to get so tired of all the winning. So, mm-hmm. uh, LeBron, he skipped the option to go to uh, to Portland, and and uh, which which apparently was a thing when when we were there. There were there were billboards and there were like graffiti signs trying to get him to go there, <laughs> which I didn't understand. Um, apparently, he didn't want to be part of Rip City, mm-hmm. a, a thing I also still don't get. So he's going to the Lakers, and apparently, the Lakers also got somebody else who is supposed to be good and people think like now the lakers are unstoppable or am i just listening to the wrong people you're listening to the wrong people most most people have been fairly critical of everyone else they've signed well who's the other guy who's the number two guy that they think is is promising that's on the team already is there somebody named cousins uh, well he when he signed with the warriors is there not another cousins no huh okay never mind then yeah but this is this is big news, isn't it? This is this is huge news. Yes. And how and I so can, can I tell you the story here? Yeah, uh, you're, you're from the, my perspective, you're the competent person here about basketball. So please take it away. Well, I'm just going to tell you again. You know, to make this about me, I'm just going to tell you about <laughs> like my personal story around when I heard this news. Sure. So, uh, and you you play a role in this too. Oh, good. I don't remember this, but okay. <laughs> So I was at the uh, special lady friend's house, and we were out Wait, in the what? backyard. Hmm? Isn't, isn't that your house? Well, uh, her, her, uh, <laughs> oh, fair, <laughs> fair enough. Her parents' home. There we go. Uh huh. Oh, I love Lucy's situation. Right, right, right. We're not married yet, so um. <laughs> <laughs> separate beds. Right. Um. So we were, we were we were out in the backyard. We had been kind of swimming and just hanging out. And Laura, Laura was talking about something. I 
to be honest, I don't remember, um, which I think she would forgive yeah, you me for. Yeah, you shouldn't release this. <laughs> and, you know, I, I get the notification on my watch and I, you know, I had been kind of following the news and, you know, hoping that an announcement was coming soon. So, I, you know, I was peeking at an out, or notifications as they were coming in and I get, I, you know, I get the notification <laughs> I think I think Laura was like mid sentence with something, and I just like literally just like yelled like yes. <laughs> and she, it, to her credit, she knew what the news was. She I mean, she guessed what it was, and then I wait. She literally said, "Oh, LeBron to the Lakers?" Question uh-huh. mark. Yeah, yeah. Kudo brownie points to her. Wow. I know. I well, she had so she had something writing on this because I've been promising her for. I don't know, the last <laughs> six months or so that if LeBron signed with the Lakers that I would buy her a jersey because she, she really, really likes LeBron because he was on <laughs> he was on one of her favorite HGTV shows doing like a, like a charitable thing. It, it was actually kind of a cool story. Um, so she's always really liked LeBron. Um, so now, you know, it's it's it's, you know, it's speaking of things that are meant to be. It's, it's perfect now. He's he's on my favorite team. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna be buying her a, a jersey here shortly, um, but then so how you fit into this is I my phone was like inside I I just just had my watch outside and so like I immediately run inside to start you know like texting friends and specifically texting friends of people who like other teams and you know start you know trash talking them, uh, but I think the the very first message I got. <laughs> was from you and the thing that was something to the effect of like it was like either like oh my god or what and i i knew exactly what you were referring to and that was that was pretty good oh when when was this so this was oh no sorry i I just pulled it up in the thing and it was what was i wrote holy shit (laughs) five seconds later oh no and then (laughs) the lakers period Yep, yep. But even even before you got to the Lakers, I knew exactly what you were talking about, and I appreciated the the timeliness of it too. Well, because I was yeah, and also, and then immediately afterward, I wondered what is wish. <laughs> right. Man, this they they the NBA's got to do away with these weird. Uh, I know I'm not a sponsors. I, I'm not a big fan. Cause I'm sorry, like because unless Amazon is sponsoring the Seattle SuperSonics, I don't need Rakuten on the Warriors jersey. Hmm. Okay, well, that's cool. You get to buy her a jersey. Um, so I assume that means that, like, uh, Laura was not memeing the uh, LeBron. Is there is there a name for his, like, immortal picture of him? Who was the guy who forgot that they were ahead? It's not Jason Kidd. That's the one who's on the Bucks. Oh, uh, J.R. Smith. Yeah, the one he's doing the, the double-handed, like, what the fuck are you doing thing. So she was right. not sharing memes of LeBron because she, she felt bad for him. No. Hmm. So does that mean does she have an opinion? Is she does she have an allegiance to the Lakers or the Warriors, or does she have no opinion really? Is she she well she has no opinion. She's she's a good sport and she roots for the Lakers, which you know ever since we've been dating, the Lakers have been just <laughs> awful. <laughs> so, so it's, it's just a know, very low intensity job because you don't have to care, right? Um, but so this is this is going to be you know the first season where the team is actually good and fun to watch. So. Uh, that'll that'll be that'll be interesting. Okay. Um, t- t- 
Twitch. Oh, and then also you can throw a link in the thing, uh, SB Nation, which apparently, which to my understanding, I'm still unsure. They're the verge of sports. Yes. Okay. I appreciate that they had a thing where they had a picture of uh, somebody on the Lakers. I don't know who. And then LeBron, like muttering underneath their jerseys. And then the caption is, so you want to avoid the 405, the 101. And it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, that's uh, Lonzo Ball. And yeah, that was that was pretty good. And I appreciate the use of the the. Oh, of, of course. Yeah. Because again, I mean, the, the, other than the obscene cost of living, the most frustrating part about being in Northern California is people don't call it the 101. Well, so not only that. so not only that, they not only do they not use the like they should, mm-hmm. they also mock us Southern Californians for doing it, which is it's I mean, it's just, just flat out disrespectful. Well, and also, it, 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 yeah, it, it's it's heck and churlish and, and people need to figure like like it's it's why are you mad that people are speaking correctly? It's like when you like when the British talk about companies and they say, uh. How does Mike do it? The thing where um, Apple are like rather than right. talk about the company, it's yeah, it's like saying like you take eighty to Tahoe or something. Like it's it's no like you, you take the eighty, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you say you take the like I don't know. It's I mean just, these are these are these are coming from the people who say hella. Like are we supposed to take them seriously about anything? No, get out of here! No, yeah, mm-hmm. no, yeah. All right, this is a technology show, I think, mm-hmm. um, or that's what some people have said. Um, so let's talk about the important stuff. Let's talk about something uh, alliterative. Can we start there? Let's do it. Okay. Let's talk about Terry the Tesla. Yes. Wow. What a what a story. Um. So listeners will remember there was a twist before our show two weeks ago where I had thought that I was going to be talking about how I was turning in my car the next day and how I had absolutely no idea when I was going to get my model three and how it just so happened that the day of our recording, which was the day before I turned in my car, I was able to configure my model three. So like, at least I was, you know, making some headway, um, in the progression towards eventually getting it. Um, but when I configured it had said delivery in three to five months. And so that's kind of where we left that conversation. So the next morning, I returned uh, my Ford Edge, you know, got back to the office. And like 20 minutes after I got back to the office, I get an email from this inside sales rep at Tesla saying, here's your VIN number, your car's ready. You know, here's all the steps you need to do to take delivery, (laughs) which is like to go from thinking it was three to five months away to having it be imminent. Which again, like even like 24 hours before that, I, I didn't even know when I was going to be able to configure. And the fact that this car that I put a, you know, a deposit down two and a half years ago on to have it line up perfectly with like when my current lease was up, like the whole thing was just kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, I went through the process of finalizing my order. Um, and then that following Monday, so like July 2nd, so a little over a week ago, I drove to Fremont and picked up my car. Uh, so I have now been an owner of a Model 3 for a little over a week. And the the timing was absolutely perfect where we had a longer drive planned last week. So I've actually already driven like almost a thousand miles in it. I've you know gone through the whole supercharging thing, the valet like process with it like basically all the different kinds of use cases you could possibly come up with it i feel like i've experienced already in the course of uh 
my first week. So, well, so, so can I stop you there? Yeah. Well, so that was one of my questions that I've been waiting for, which is you, so you took it to Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. So what is, what is the supercharging experience or how did that go? Because I think that's a mile that, uh, cause your car has 230 or 300 miles of range, uh, 310 miles of range. Uh, it's the extra 10 that counts. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the model three plus. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so how'd that work? So the supercharging thing is really neat. Um, it was the part that I was maybe a, most skeptical of. Um, but given that I don't go on a lot of, a lot of long car rides, like wasn't generally very worried about. Uh, but it, it was great on this trip. Um, so the way that it works is when you, you know, input an address in the navigation system, which I mean, we maybe we can get to this more later, but the navigation system in the Tesla is just awesome. Hmm. That was not the A word I was thinking, I think you were going to use. Oh, no, it, it's really good. I, I, I could explain why. Um, so what it does is it, when you input a destination where it knows that you're going to need to charge in order to get there safely, it automatically calculates which supercharger you could, that you should stop at. And it tells you the estimated amount of time that you're going to need to be there, which is all really cool. Um, so we stopped in, I think a Tescadero on the way down, and then we stopped in Salinas on the way up. And I, I think definitely... You know, it's it, it's a little easier being in California because this is where the most superchargers are. But I mean, they're they're everywhere. I mean, they're they're you know they're kind of all over the place. So it's not, you know, it's not hard to find one. Like originally on the way back up, we could have stopped in Gilroy, but there was like a little bit of traffic, so we you know we decided that we wanted to stop a little earlier, so we just stopped in Salinas. Um, and it's you know it's fast, man. It's you know it, it's it's kind of funny the way that it works. Um, so every two parking spots at a supercharger kind of share the same charger. So if you're able to find one that isn't directly next to another car, it actually charges like twice as fast. So like on the way up, we were at a supercharger that only had like one other car. And so I was charging at something like 430 miles an hour. So they would charge the car <laughs> like in a little under an hour. And we were, we were just going to have dinner. So it was like, it was great. Um, on the way down, it was a little bit busier. So, you know, it took a little longer to charge, but again, we just took a little break, got a snack. Um, I think, you know, the key is if you can time your like meals, uh, like on the way down, we had another place we wanted to go for lunch so that the timing there was a little off. So we, the supercharging stop really did count as like extra time on the drive. But if you can time it where, you stop at a supercharger and then you eat somewhere nearby, which is pretty easy to do because all the superchargers are, are pretty close to like other stuff. Then it's great. You just you plug in, you go eat. And then by the time you're done eating, you generally have, you know, enough because you don't, you don't need to charge the battery, you know, the whole way. You usually only have to charge it, you know, 50% or something. Um, so yeah, I mean, that whole experience is cool. And it's, you know, it, it, when you plug in, it knows your car, you have a credit card on file. So like, you're not, you know, you're not swiping your credit card or anything like you do at a gas station. It's all just automatically charged to your Tesla account. Um, you can track charging on your phone and it'll automatically send you a notification once you've reached enough charge in order to get to your destination. It, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool experience. How much does a one hour supercharge cost? So we, um, on the way 
back because we ate a little bit of a longer meal. We let it charge even more than we needed to. And it, it ended up charging, uh, I guess, probably about two-thirds of the battery, actually maybe even a little more. And I think that was like $16. Okay. So it's about, about you know, about 30% the price of gas. Yeah. So I'm looking at the, the Tesla supercharger map, and this is... A lot has changed since the last time I've looked at it. There's a lot of them. And also there's a ton of, uh, if you if you search just Tesla supercharger, there's a lot of gray ones, which um, implies they're expanding right. really, really, really quickly. Right. And, and, and you know, when you get to a supercharger, I mean, at least the two that we stopped at and others that I've seen too, it's, it's not like there are two parking spots. It's like, you know, I think the one in a Tescadero probably had space for like 16 cars. I think the one in Salinas probably had space for maybe 12 cars. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're pretty substantial. And this is not directly related to your experience, but is our superchargers Tesla only? Or if you're in a pinch, could you like charge a Nissan Leaf or something with a supercharger? M- my understanding is they are Tesla only. I So my, so my, Ooh. um, um, I, I, I'm not an expert on this stuff yet though. Um, because so in conjunction with this, I was also really lucky and was able to have a Tesla wall charger installed here at the house. This the same day that I got the car last week. Um, and so the only two places I've charged it so far are here at home with a Tesla wall charger and then on the road at a supercharger. Uh, the car also comes with a cable that you can then use to charge like, <laughs> even in a regular outlet, if you like really got in a pinch. Um, and I haven't used that yet. So I don't really know what the experience is like, um, outside of, you know, Tesla's little world. Um, but no, my understanding is that you could not bring your, a Chevy bolt and charge at a supercharger. Hmm. Yeah. I think long-term that, hmm. Again, I mean, I, I think if you were regularly taking long car drives, I any kind of EV doesn't seem like it'd be the right fit. But if you're the occasional uh, road tripper, as you would say, um, that the superchargers are much better than I expected. All right. So, so how's Terry? So Terry's great. Um, I mean, obviously, I was it, it still is a little surreal that it all happened the way that it did. Um you know, happened the, the timing with my old lease and just how quickly it happened was all <laughs> just really surprising. So that, that was awesome. Um, you know, the, the car itself is incredible. It, you know, I've, I've never really been a car person and therefore I've never really had what I would describe as like a fun car. I've always had cars that were a little more functional. Um, but I mean, man, this thing is just, it's so fun to drive. Um, you know, my only experience with Tesla prior was like a little five minute test drive I had done on a Model S. Um, well, as, as part of the event that we went to together, that Engadget event. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got to drive a friend of a friend's Model 3 last fall for like two or three minutes. Actually, um, can I interject with a super quick yeah, question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember one of those things, which, man, that was a long time ago. Uh, and add it and gadget expand. There was there was that Tesla test drive thing. I remember back then where the Tesla didn't have the ability to, to coast. 
like what when you let off the accelerator, like it would stop really quickly. Right. And I think the person who was uh, leading the demo said that, oh, that was going to be fixed or that was going to be an option. Is that still how the Model 3 works? Or if you let off the gas, does it kind of coast like you would expect a car to do? So one of the unique things with uh, Tesla's is the regenerative braking. That's what you're referring to. So when you let your foot off the accelerator, by default, the car is actually recapturing some of that energy as you slow down. And in most situations, you can actually drive just with one pedal because uh, you, you'll come to a complete stop if you time your um, timing of taking your foot off of the accelerator, which is why brakes in Tesla's last kind of forever because you just don't use them nearly as often as you do on a regular car. Um, and so it it's definitely something that takes some getting used to, but you actually end up it actually ends up being a net benefit. Like the way the way that you can drive with one foot, especially if you're going through some curvy roads, which we did uh, on the way to and from Santa Barbara. Um, it, it's really neat to be able to not ha have to constantly go back and forth between the brake and the accelerator. Um, but then to answer your original question, um, yes. So there's now an option um, in the car where you can change the sensitivity of that regenerative braking. So I think there's like three levels. There's like a low, a standard and a high. And by default, it just, it comes on the standard. Um, I haven't played with the other settings, but you know, presumably if I were to put it on low, it would coast much more like a, you know, like a regular car. But again, like, you know, it, it's, it's hard to describe and it's it's I wouldn't be able just to convince you by telling you about it. You'd have to actually you know, drive the car, but it actually ends up being something you get used to really quick. And it's something that I actually really like now. OK, let me know when I can take Terry for a test drive. Uh huh. Um, so I guess I get so like what else? I mean, it's like, you know, autopilot, I guess, is the other really big thing. Um, you know, that works. It works really well. Um, obviously, there's sort of two components to it. There's. Um, the adaptive cruise control, and then there's the lane centering piece. The adaptive cruise control works really, really, really well. I mean, I've, I've never had a car with adaptive cruise control, so I, I can't really compare it to how other vehicles work. But I mean, I mean, the best way that I can describe how the autopilot system works with Tesla is it does exactly what you expect it to. Like they're in the you know close to thousand miles I've driven it now, of which I don't know maybe six hundred or so I've had on autopilot. It, it I mean there there wasn't a single moment where the adaptive cruise control didn't do exactly what I would expect it to do. Um, yeah, we've been in some stop and go traffic. We've been on open highway driving. I mean it's it's really really impressive. Um, the lane centering, which they call auto steer. Um, I mean the the one thing right off the bat is it by default that's off so by default autopilot is only adaptive cruise control and so to turn on the lane centering or the auto steer you have to go into a menu and then turn a little toggle on for auto steer and next to auto steer there's literally the word beta in parentheses and when mm -hmm. you turn it on you get this pop-up window that explains that you know this is a this is a feature that's still in testing and that you need to be constantly able to take over at any moment while you're using it, which, you know, is a little weird, but, you know, probably for the best. Um, and that, so that works pr 
pretty well. It works basically flawless in, in like stop and go traffic and when you're maybe going a little below the speed limit. But when you actually get up to highway speed, like when you're on a straight line or when you're on, you know, fairly gentle curves, it's it's totally fine. But when you're at highway speed or maybe a little over and you like you come to a sharp turn, it it doesn't quite work the way that you'd want it to. Um, so that you know that that part of it, I it it's <laughs> it's labeled beta, and I can see why. Um, but again, by and large, it works really well, but it's, it's not quite as good, um, as the, the adaptive cruise control. Um, and then the other thing that it does, the third thing it does now is it'll do auto lane change. So when you're in autopilot and you have auto steer turned on, you can just simply flip your turn signal, you know, to the left or the right, and the car will automatically change lanes for you. And that, that, in my experience, has also worked really well. Um, so overall, you know, autopilot's definitely, like, stories of people, like, climbing into their back seat and all that crazy stuff, like, that's, you know, I would never, ever, ever do that. But overall, it's it's pretty impressive. Have How does it, how does a car, whenever, like, any of these quasi-autonomous driving features, how does the car communicate that it's unable to continue in that mode or like what happens when it fails? So it, yeah. So, so like in the situation I described a minute ago where you come to a sharper turn at highway speed, it before, right, kind of right before you get to the turn, it will flash the screen and it will issue kind of this loud chime, which is the indication that that autopilot's been turned off. Um, And so then you, you take over. So you okay, you you good. really you really do truly have to have your hands on the wheel, and in fact, you know, like a week or two before I got the car, um, Tesla had put out a, a software update. Which, by the way, one of the funny—I think I sent you a picture of this. Like literally, the first thing I did when I got the car home was I installed a software update, <laughs> which was kind of funny. Um, but I, I think as part of that update that I installed, one of the things that they did was they dramatically reduced the, um, frequency at which the system is detecting that your hands are on the wheel. So before it was something like every one or two minutes, which is crazy to me having mm-hmm. seen how it works now. Mm-hmm. And now it's like every 15 or 20 seconds, which, you know, that's, a, that's a lot more reasonable. Um, well, because that was the thing where when it first came out, and I think where Tesla was was doing a disservice, and also actually, well, not disservice is probably too light of a word. They were advertising as almost basically what's it called, stage five autonomous driving. Right. That's the one where it's it's pretty much good to go. And people were taking fucking YouTube videos and like being in the backseat, like oh my car's driving itself, and Tesla did nothing to stop it. But now it feels like they're tightening up a ton on exactly how. Um, hands off you can be with and let the system remain engaged yeah they are and i mean not only you know it's not good enough to just have like one finger on the wheel it, it, it's not touch that it's detecting it's actually like resistance to what it's doing that it's detecting meaning that you actually have a firm grip on the wheel so so it it, it knows and, and does a you know does a pretty good job good um I think, uh, lastly, it's probably, so how's the infotainment slash navigation thing? It's, it's really, really, really good. 
um, so, you know, that's been everybody's sort of first question is what's it like not to have, you know, a dash, what's it like to only have the screen. So like nothing directly in front of you and only the screen slightly off to your right. And, you know, my standard response has been in my edge, which was my other, you know, most recent car, the screen that had a Ford sync on it was exact kind of in the same position that the model three screen was in. And then I had my phone mounted directly below that. So I, I've, I've been accustomed to, you know, kind of looking more towards the center of the car out my right eye for a while now, because that's, you know, I use my phone for navigation and all of that. So it actually ends up being really natural. Um, like I've, I've never felt so far that it's been an inconvenience not to have anything uh, directly in front of me. Um, so the, the, the position of the screen has been, has been totally fine. Um, in terms of like the way that the interface looks and feels like you really end up feeling like you're driving a smartphone, like everything is very intuitive. Like I, I keep thinking about sort of like the original iPhone and how you could sort of just pick that up and kind of intuitively figure out how to use it. That's how I felt with the model three where, um, actually, you know, I was going to get to this in a minute, but like the only negative thing I've had as part of this whole experience is that the, the pickup experience wasn't the best. Like the guy who was helping us clearly was someone who was a little new and like, didn't really know the car all that well. So he wasn't really able to like, I've had a couple friends who have had model threes and they've had this experience where like when they've gone to pick it up, like the, the person's like walked him through it and like, you know, basically giving them like a full tutorial, like I didn't really have that, um, but you know, was able to pick it up like right away because everything's just really intuitive. Um, and I, you know, I mentioned the navigation earlier. It's it's kind of like the best of both worlds, and what I mean by that is, so it uses Google Maps data, but it has the visual look of like Apple Maps. Which for me, like I've always thought Apple Maps is the better looking mapping software, but in terms of data is just not very good. And so the Tesla system's great because it looks really, really nice and it has really good data. And the car has a constant uh, LTE connection. So, you know, it's constantly looking at traffic and will reroute you if there's an accident or something, just in the same way that Google Maps does. Um... So yeah, I mean, overall, the the interface to the car is is really great. And are you billed for the LTE connection, or what is it? What's that? What's the deal with that? So, so that was that's kind of another weird wrinkle, and just something that totally worked out in my favor. So Tesla made an announcement two or three weeks ago where any car uh, purchased after July first of this year was going to come with like, I don't know, six months or 12 months of free internet access, and then you would have to pay for it thereafter. But then any Tesla purchased prior to that date would be grandfathered into a free uh, internet connection for the life of the vehicle. And so I was invited to configure my car on, I think that was what, like June 28th or something. So um, because I ordered it then, uh, my car is going to have free LTE for, for the life of the car. Cool. Um, 
so yeah, it's, it's been, been pretty great. Um, you know, I, I did mention though, the, the pickup experience wasn't the best, you know, in addition to our rep, not knowing the car all that well, the other kind of annoying thing was that, you know, you obviously do like an, a visual inspection of the car, uh, and ended up having some pretty substantial scratching on the rear bumper. I mean, nothing, you know, nothing more than cosmetic, but still when you, you know, buy, buy a new car, you don't expect that. Um, but to Tesla's credit, they were really great about it. Like this other guy came out when I found it and, you know, apologized and, you know, took a bunch of pictures of it. Um, they, the very next day they called me to say, Hey, like, you know, let's schedule you an appointment to come in. Um, so I did that, uh, yesterday, I dropped it off and, uh, they've given me a model S <laughs> as a loaner vehicle while the model three is in. Um, which has been kind of cool for a couple of reasons. Just one, because like I, other than that little like five minute stint or not even driving a Model S a couple of years ago, I've, you know, obviously never really driven one. So that's been kind of cool. Um, and it's also been nice because I really like the Model 3 a lot more than the Model S. Hmm. Um, it, the Model 3, it, it's, it's, um, it's a it's just it's just a lot it's a lot sportier it's just a lot more fun to drive the model s feels a little bit more like a tank like it's also fun to drive but it's just i don't know it's a very different experience so that's kind of you know not that a model s was like ever even an option for me but um it's sort of just been nice to <laughs> have the model 3 decision validated hmm. interesting oh cool We'll probably yeah. end up checking in in a month or so. All right. Yeah. Once, once you have more, a few more hundreds of miles on your belt. Yeah, we got, well, so we've got another uh, long car trip planned for August, which um, we can, we can talk about that offline. Does that involve special project? Uh, it, special yeah, project? Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Uh, cool. Uh, I will let you pick what you want to talk about next. Like, I can't, I can't, uh, an embarrassment of riches. Oh, I was on mute. Um, <laughs> like a professional. Uh, I was took like, a, you took I your hands like, off the wheel. I was like, why? Yeah, yeah there's no <laughs> autopilot on my Mac, though. Um, uh, the, never mind. <laughs> Um, no, I, what I said though, when I was stupidly muted was I want to talk about your thing. No, no, we're, we're going to, this is, this is a crowded episode. We'll, we'll lay that for another time. We, but can I, can I at least mention it? Yeah, sure. So the, the German washing machine is finally out there in the wild. Have I ever mentioned it by name? No, 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 no. We've been very unlike, you know, your your quirky name, which I had to creatively edit which, out of the which show. Which you barked out. Very good. Yeah, huh? We we have never accidentally mentioned the name of this. Yeah. No, yeah, the German washing machine is now open. People can check it out at germanwashingmachine.com. It uh for legal reasons and the very litigious Thomas Keller, I can't uh claim what it's based off of, but yeah, people should check it out. It's it's um I, I say this very, I, I mean this when I say this, that this is a really, really cool project. I, I really like this. I think I've read every word of the website. It's, it's tremendous. You can get a lot done when you're very bored and you're avoiding doing other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I assume all the photography is done with your, your fancy camera. 
most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And Merrick Garland can uh, come talk to me whenever he wants to set up his appointment. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, well, we'll talk about it in depth another week. So, can, uh, actually, I, I think this, the Sonos news was actually pretty interesting this week. So they are intending to go public very soon. So they filed their S1 with the SEC about a week ago. And there are a couple of things. So you have your Sonos Beam on order, and that's supposed to ship in a couple of weeks, right? Uh, no, that's going to be shipping any day. I'm supposed to get it by uh, like the 17th. Ooh, cool. So you're going to play with that. Um, but the what? So there's a few things in the S1 that are actually uh, surprisingly interesting to me. Um, and I should have bookmarked where they are. Where is the, what is the, what's the interesting part of the S1 called? Ah, risk factors. There we go. Um, so basically they mentioned that, uh, quote, the success of our business depends on continued growth of the voice enabled speaker market and our ability to establish and maintain market share. Um, so where is it? So for example, Sonos One and Sonos Beam feature voice controlled enabled powered by the Amazon Alexa technology, while Amazon currently offers competing speaker products of their own. And basically they say that uh, their agreement with Amazon for this is like at will. And with very short notice, Amazon can just be like, no, you don't have access to that anymore, which I think is super interesting. And I, and I did not know that there were no contracts or that uh, you can sell a product to a customer and basically in six months, Amazon can be like, oh, actually, people aren't buying enough of the first party stuff or we're not able to lock this down as much as we'd like to. And just be like, oh, yeah, all the Sonos products don't have this anymore. Yeah, it's it's a little surprising, but I think it also makes a lot of sense from Amazon's perspective where they clearly have all the leverage here. I mean, Sonos is not going to go out and build their own voice assistant. So, you know, a a Amazon's holding all the cards, as you would say. So, I mean, what's, what's Sonos going to do? When Amazon says that these are the terms, they're non-negotiable, Sonos doesn't really have a choice. I don't know. Like that makes total sense, and but also it is kind of a it's it's Amazon's game, and they're writing the rules. But I don't know. It just seems it seems tough for some for somebody to buy a product expecting that that is a feature that would be there for at least a reasonable amount of time, and for that not really to be the case. And Amazon can get bo bored with third party developer agreements and stuff like that, and it, it and just that's no longer a thing that's supported. And then the people who end up looking bad about this are Sonos. That's challenging. Um, and then also the one other thing that I thought was cool, or not cool, but uh, interesting, was that they cited that net neutrality is is actually a legitimate concern to their business. Because if, if ISPs start getting super picky about what they actually allow, the Amazon, the, 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 sorry, the access to Spotify and Pandora and the other uh, streaming music providers, if, let's say, Comcast starts getting super in-house and they want to only favor stuff that they own, um that could lead to a worse experience for the customers so it's pretty interesting yeah i would never have anticipated sonos being the type of company that would seek to go public but i guess sort of on the heels of the sonos one and the beam it does seem like their ambitions are a lot greater than i originally thought so the idea of them going public has sort of in light of these more recent products begun to make a little more sense 
Yeah, because like they they've been around forever, and their uh the reach and the scope of their products has always been super niche and also kind of expensive and at the high end. Like they, their whole thing before was like whole home audio, and we sell this one thing that was for the most part kind of un un uh like uh they 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 didn't update it or do any substantial overhaul of it. Like for that one little like silver box that they have, I think it's called like the Sonos Bridge. But then they came out with the play bar, which was an expensive sound bar, but it was kind of a small foray into the more general purpose market. But yeah, the Sonos One was insanely aggressively priced, and the Sonos Beam, like honestly, I think everybody expected it to be twice as expensive as what it came, what it debuted at. So yeah, I mean, it looks like they're angling to be a much bigger player than they have been. Right. Um, very nice office too. You know, they are, they're right on state street in Santa Barbara. Uh, what's the cross street? I can get a Chapala. Oh, so it's right by, it's right by the old Greyhound station. Uh, yeah. Um, but oh, oh it's by the Apple store. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's a, it's a awesome look. I walked right by it last week. It's really, really nice. Yeah. I remember it well. What, 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 what is it or what did it, what did it take the place of? I, I don't know. It's a, it's a huge space, so I yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, Santa Barbara's a nice place. Mm-hmm. It's kind of perfect. Pretty much. Yeah. Everybody from Northern California should move there, except not everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Only the cool people. There'll be a list. Um. All right. Do you, you do you want to talk? I'll give you the choice: Movie Pass, Chipotle, or Apple kind of want to talk about chipotle okay uh do you want to talk about uh their happy hour and slash store closure announcement or do you want to talk about the fact that they're making quesadillas we should talk about both um so the 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 quesadilla thing that was uh actually from from a couple of weeks ago we didn't get to it on the last show um i guess their their ceo gave a which actually who used to be the ceo of taco bell which i which i did not know uh, he gave an interview to the New York Times talking about their strategy over the next few years, and they have a like a test kitchen in New York, and they're <laughs> going to be testing out some uh, new menu items. Um, you know, Chipotle kind of famously has a fairly you know in and out style kind of menu, which is very limited and doesn't change. But they're going to uh, be hmm, hmm what. Hmm. Uh, in and out is generally but like they're super streamlined whereas chipotle was always like actually if you think about it like, there there are like hundreds of combinations you possibly uh, well but you could say the same thing about the burgers at in and out it's all just variations of two or three menu items hmm. okay um but anyway so chipotle is going to be trying out uh quesadillas they're going to be trying out nachos um and <laughs> as mike isaac quipped which we'll we'll put in the notes to his his tweet about this uh chocolate shakes which um as mike jokes you know nothing says mexican food like a chocolate shake (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i and actually kind of you know related to this i i went to a chipotle for the first time in probably like two or three years um a couple of weeks ago and was reminded of how good Chipotle is. It's for your kind of you know fast casual, as, as you're famous of saying. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good. 
Yeah, it's fine. But it ends up being really healthy because the thing is you have to get whatever, you know, those the chips with the lime on them or whatever. Right. Yeah, but that, that's that's what kills no, everything. I know. I know. I, so, yeah. I, so the way that I justify that, though, is mm. I don't get Precedent. a... Uh-huh. I don't get a burrito. I get a burrito bowl. So I'm offsetting some of the calories from the chips with not having a tortilla. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's the math doesn't math. Yeah, the math doesn't quite add up, but but then also <laughs> you get you get you get the experience of dipping the chips in the burrito bowl, and that's that's very good. Mm. Which is which is good because chipotle salsas aren't very good. No, mm -mm. no. The 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 corn salsa is good actually, and their guacamole is not that great either. Oh, I disagree. I, th I think the guacamole is good. Hmm. Um, also, there's a tweet that this was, I think, what was quoted by Mike Isaac in the tweet that you're referring to. And I think I already put it in the thing. I appreciate the picture of the guy looking. Are they open yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, I assume this means they have they have uh, canceled their queso experiment. I hope so. Um, the it, whole not fake was... news queso. It was still available at the one that I went to a couple of weeks ago. Did you risk it? No, 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 no. I don't really. Uh, sorry if this is an unpopular opinion, but I, I don't really like queso in general. So, you know, depends on the consistency. There's, there's a, there's a. Yeah, it's, it's debatable. I think, I think, I think that's a safe strategy to say I want none of it versus uh, trying a lot of it and uh, only getting the best. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate it, but it's just, you know, it's one of those things that I just don't, you know, I don't really love. Yeah. Mm, it's a gamble. <clears throat> and then also, uh, so this is from Food and Wine, Food and Wine magazine. Uh, Chipotle plans to close up to 65 stores, but it will add a happy hour menu. Um, so apparently there will be snack items as well as, uh, and oh, I forgot you had the exact same response to this as I did, which... Uh, Happy hour deals between two and five, selling $2 tacos with beer and margaritas uh, with similar offerings late in the evening, to which Chipotle serves booze? Yeah, I've never been to a Chipotle that's had booze, so I don't really know what that's about. Yeah, it's been a very long time since I've been, but um, yeah, I'm not familiar with that either. Hmm. Uh, also, yeah, it, it is weird whenever you, you couch, uh, good news or pot, like, or news of like a change in strategy with, uh, yeah, a bunch of stores closures. It's kind of a little, a little strange, a little strange. That's kind of the opposite of what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, where I really appreciate when companies are just sort of honest and self-effacing. And I really don't like when companies are, you know, trying to mask something with like you know some weird positive news or something like chipotle's doing just just be <laughs> just be honest about what you're doing <laughs> like when elon musk's response to unionization is free frozen yogurt on the factory floor yeah yeah okay actually let's 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 talk about movie pass real quick so they <laughs> So from uh, CNN Money, MoviePass is running out of money and needs to raise $1.2 billion. Uh, and their, their cash burn rate is just absolutely astounding. They're down to, and this is an article, I think, from a week ago. 
Yeah, July 2nd. Uh, in, in an FCC, or sorry, in an SEC filing, they're down to $18.5 million in cash on hand. Um, and that their cash deficit on operations in June would reach $45 million. So they have 3 million subscribers, but as we kind of approach the summer blockbuster season, uh, the um, uh, incompatible and, and uh, non-functional math that their business model is based off of uh, leads themselves to to need to raise much money to continue uh, as a, a going concern, I think is the term. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the, I don't think, I don't think any of this is surprising. Like, and the thing is like, I, hmm, because I still like MoviePass and I, th- I put this in the notes, but I took it out. But uh, MoviePass has one of the world's best Facebook pages in the sense that um, Facebook is one of the great equalizers of society where just everybody who has a functioning internet connection will just post stuff on a company's wall. And, and it is really quite a sight to see. So people should go search for that if they want to. But every, um, another story related to this is that MoviePass has enabled uh, – no, they don't call it search pricing. What do they call it? Uh, MoviePass launches peak pricing where uh, really, really in-demand movies and also in-demand showtimes will now uh, incur between a 2 and a $6 um, surcharge to offset the high demand and help give MoviePass some extra money. And the Facebook response has been, do, do you know what, like one of the most overused terms in the United States of like regular people is, is the term bait and switch. Mm-hmm. And whenever you hear it, you know, something dumb is happening. Like it's something that you hear in airports a lot. And it's just, it's just stuff, like stuff like that where everybody's so mad about, and, and, and I know maybe, maybe not everybody thinks of this, but like, the company that loses money if you use it once is like, and then you're like a bait and switch. I'm going to complain to the Better Business Bureau. I'm like, do you understand like that their business model from day one is if you use this and don't forget that you're subscribed, we lose money. Like, I oh, it, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. The complaints that they're going to write their their congressperson because MoviePass is charging up two dollars to go watch. Ant-Man and the Wasp, or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a very loud movie that was advertised before Incredibles 2, which I have zero interest in. Have you have you watched that yet? I haven't. Mm-mm. You're not missing much, but you should still oh, see it. Oh, really? I don't want to be a downer. And their, you should their go, reviews have been so good. You should go watch it. You should go see the Breaking Bad reunion, and then you should please tell me, and we can talk about it on the show. So you, you should go get a movie pass and see it before it's out of theaters. Hmm. But yeah, so peak pricing, I get this. And and here's the thing, and that's the thing where um it's AMC, right? They're the ones who it was called Stubbs A list. Right. Where they're doing their own in-house subscription thing. And I like that, but the one part about MoviePass that I, that's really liberating and I think actually makes it a really functional service at any price point is that it's not tied to a specific theater chain. Whereas AMC, like a lot of the like two of the movies that I've seen recently was the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary. And the Mr. Rogers documentary, which, yes, I'm a really cool, exciting person. Like, th- those were both played at an independent movie theater, which, uh, like, AMC, they're never going to show those movies. So, therefore, a subscription from them is useless to me because I'm not watching all the summer blockbusters. So, like, I don't know. Like, that's where I kind of want MoviePass to figure out economics that actually work. And if it ends up looking like a $15 a month service where super in-demand titles, 
namely the ones I don't want to watch, have a like some surge pricing thing attached to them, or Movie Pass only works like it starts supporting like the 3D movies and the in the reserve seating, like all the stuff that you like. But there's some reasonable upcharge for that extra, and the people like me who don't care about seeing a movie at three o'clock in the afternoon because they don't want to like have a crowded movie theater. Like, I think there's a way for all this to work, but I just think like they went just so super hard in the, and fast in the direction of like, let's just make, let's try to make it up in volume where I don't know, like it feels like they're a disruptor and, but they're not going to be the ones that win or see in the end. No, yeah, d- definitely, definitely not. But do you, but do you think because like I this feels like in uh we don't have time to discuss it, but Quartz had a good article um about kind of movie passes implication in uh, a revolution in movie ticket prices, whereas for the most part like movie ticket prices got expensive between the fifties and the seventies, but when you adjust for inflation, like it's kind of been stagnant for a while and nothing's really changed for the past thirty years, but like. Things are changing because of MoviePass because it's helping people figure out that they maybe they want to see more movies, but the pricing and like the profit maximization has kind of not lent itself to that, and everybody's trying to grapple with that. So I don't know. It's interesting, but I'm in, I I want to know if it's some if it, if it ends up being a movie chain specific thing when movies eventually go subscription because it kind of feels like it has to because everything is a subscription. Or if it ends up being somebody who's not um, like an actual theater owner and it becomes a thing kind of like movie pass, but just with more sustainable economics. I mean, I just I think the other dynamic with movies and I, I don't I guess I don't really have a great sense of whether I'm in the minority here or whether this actually is a big part of the story. But even putting aside the price of going to a movie it's just the fact that watching a movie at home now has gotten so good that for the really big movies that I'm excited about seeing, there is something still really fun about going to a theater and seeing that movie opening day or opening weekend. But outside of those edge cases, I would usually just prefer to watch a movie at home, like regardless of how much it costs to go out and see the movie. So... I, that's another thing that I just don't really know how movie theaters are going to overcome. I mean, I, I think that they're starting to respond to that with things like reclining seats and selling alcohol and like some of those other like <laughs> amenities. But again, like when you're at home and you have an OLED TV and you're watching something in 4K <laughs> and you're doing so on the comfort of your own couch with your own food. You know, I don't know. That's kind of tough to beat. So a couple things with that. So yeah, very, very good point with the OLED TV. And also, quick aside, uh, I just found out or recently found out that The Incredibles has been remastered in uh, the original Incredibles, the good one, has been remastered in 4K uh, HDR on Blu-ray. So that should be a prompt purchase for you. Um. Yeah, I think I think you're kind of like I think there's two opinions to it, and and I actually probably lean more on the side of the it is the cost that makes movie going less desirable because like like because movie going is a social activity, but also I think for a lot of people they're kind of thinking like do I want to spend twelve seventy five to go watch a movie and, and park and do all this kind of stuff versus like if it's a like I think just the fact that it's a subscription 
removes a lot of the friction and the loss aversion to it. Like, cause if, if you're thinking that this $13 movie ticket, it like, if, if it's not a good movie or if like, if you're seated by like, like just, it, there's a lot of different factors that can make the experience not worthwhile. Like, I think people like if they're buying, like it's like back in the old days when you're buying, you were going to the Sam Goody and the Laguna Hills mall trying to figure out, do you want to spend $14 on this? Uh, what's, what's your band? Uh, uh, sugar Ray. Hooba stank. Yeah. Sh- sugar Ray. Um, do I want to spend money on this CD where only two of the songs are good? Like, I just think like, as people get more choice there, there's more reason to maybe, I don't know, like it, it's just the whole economics of a change. And I think unless like, cause that's the thing where I think a couple of startups have tried to do the thing that you maybe want, which is like that, that people appreciate the watch at home experience. And is there a way to shrink the window between theatrical release and, um, direct to video or, or like home availability. And I think somebody tried it where they're like, Oh yeah, we're going to charge $70 and you can watch it streaming on demand at home versus having to go to the theater. And that's the stuff where people have to figure out where does that line stop? Right. Because like, it's also the thing where what's the, what's the John Syracuse thing where he has like, um, what, what does he do with the star Wars movie? It's, he calls it like total media blackout where like, a lot of the enjoyment of a film for him is not knowing anything about it. Like, and he'll try to av- avoid like excessive interviews and stuff like, and stuff like in reviews where that would taint the, the movie or, or kind of uh, ruin his, his kind of just going in blind experience. And if you wait for something to be like, unless you're super passionate about something, if you wait for it to only be available four to eight months later on at home on Blu-ray or streaming, like you run a lot of risk of being spoiled. Yeah, no, and and that's that's kind of what I was saying about you know there's there's definitely something still to the idea of seeing a movie right when it comes out, and I, yeah, spoilers are definitely part of that. But I mean, honestly, if if when the you know if in Star Wars Episode Nine comes out next year, if there was an option to see it at home day one, you know, that would be pretty appealing. Like even if it was marginally more expensive than seeing it at home as compared to the theater, that's totally something I would consider. You know, fifty bucks, eh, I don't know, but I would definitely think about it. Yeah. Uh do you want to touch on any Apple stuff? Yeah, so I I was gonna say let's let's meet our contractual obligation and talk about Apple here. Um it's about probably about as far into an episode as we've gotten in a while without mentioning Apple. Uh, there's like a, a, like three or four topics there, and then let's get to the, the chef's corner. Let's do it. So in news that makes us feel incredibly old, the App Store just recently turned 10, which is just how? Like, how is that possible? Um, so, there, you know, there's been you know lots of stories reflecting on the introduction of the App Store, the best of which has just been everyone posting screenshots of their first app store downloads because one of the neat things you can do in the iOS app stores there's a purchased screen and you can literally see a list of every single app you've purchased so it's really easy just to scroll to the beginning of that list and see uh what the first apps you were that you downloaded were uh which of course I did and <laughs> identified the exact date which I apparently purchased your original iPhone from you. 
uh, <laughs> which was, I you know I had thought that I had thought that I bought it basically right when the App Store rolled out, but I guess you waited a little while to get the three G. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was about a month after the App Store launched is when I bought that that iPhone off of you. Um, and my outside of just a different date, the, the first apps that I downloaded were basically the same as everybody else, which was like Facebook, NetNewsWire. It's kind of like the the same handful of apps that that most people <laughs> seem to download. AOL Radio. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, unrelated, Pandora had the ugliest icon back in the day. Yeah. Even yeah, opposed yeah. to the, I know the one that you're very unenthusiastic about, which is the new kind of 2012 London Olympics logo thing. That's a, that's a, that's a good analogy. Yeah. It's a very, it's very like, a yeah, it's, 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 it's quasi upsetting, but it's, it's fine. Uh, yeah. Pandora has been weird, but they, they're like, they're kind of one of the canonical, like, uh, there's Evernote, there's Facebook, there's, pandora like this they're they're the app that runs on everything and it's been there from the beginning um yeah like uh the the nine to five mac link that you sent me like which you'll put in the show notes was really interesting where it compares um what is it app so it's got uh itunes remote facebook the to-do app things the OmniFocus thing was one of the more more interesting ones here evernote ebay twitter affic and instapaper uh showing how the design uh um of of the app icons and also the app themselves, and it's a good way to kind of uh, to categorize uh, like or, or to channel the different um, UI design paradigms that have kind of shifted that have kind of permeated through iOS over the past decade. Of like when the i when the app when the iPhone came out, like everything was always like it was very aqua e sort of like the earlier versions of OS ten where everything was like very bulbous and like they 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 were designing it with a um, like with the what's what was it what was it called in bowling, like the bumpers up, like uh to try to make the transition to this kind of new, fluid touchscreen design easier. Totally, and like you see this in in the, everywhere in this nine to five Mac article, even things like looking at the OmniFocus icon. So in <laughs> July two thousand eight, like literally it was the checkbox, you know, the the check rather that we all know and love. But it was on a note card. for whatever reason on a note card. Well, it's because it was the hipster PDA. With yeah, Murphy. right. But like you know, I mean, now you don't you don't need that to look at the icon and just know what it is. Um, and again, you you kind of see that you see that everywhere. Yeah. Um, like you remember on the very first set of them, if you go if you scroll down to the list where it shows all the icons in a row. Like I, I forget why, and I even posted this because I I did some reply to Jason when he when he was talking about like the AP News Mobile app, where the the AP had this weird icon where it actually was it only showed like this fedora of like this news reporter's fedora, but it didn't it wasn't actually like it was just an icon on a black thing, so it didn't conform to the interface guidelines. But on all of the early icons, they all have like this weird like um like drop shadow and like thing like where almost like the top half of it's illuminated like there's a light shining on it and that's something that that died really quickly right yeah like even like you look at like this instapaper icon it had a really good example of what you were just describing um and then you can you can immediately see when like everybody thought like so like iowa was it ios 2 or ios 3 that the app store came out with it was ios well, actually, it was called iPhone OS back then, and they charged money for it. 
Oh gosh, that's right. You have to pay ten dollars. Right. I th- I think it was iPhone OS two. Yeah. Like every, everything stayed uh, kind of stale, or or like uh, it was it was a stayed design. Just cause like I mean, you know, it was it was fine. Like um, iOS four, I think gave people like background audio and stuff like that. iOS five was I think like the first PC free one where you didn't have to activate it by plugging it into iTunes, which, oh man, that takes you back. And then you can immediately see when the switch flipped where Apple released iOS 7 and everything went super flat and skeuomorphic design was gone and all of these big bulbous icons became flat, thin um, designs, which I think a lot of people, and that's one of the interesting parts here, which is like... um, that left open wide interpretation of what that actually means and how non Apple applications should, should take that and run with it. Yeah, this is a, it, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm just like lost in this nine to five Mac article. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to look at, look at these pictures from 08. And also somebody uh, on Twitter, I don't, have, I don't have the link to the tweet, but if you look at the one where it shows all the screenshots of Facebook, um, the information density was actually the best back in 2008 as you see throughout the years you see less and less on any single screen which is pretty good i was also going to say that the music app was the best that it's ever been in 2008 oh well except oh, i wish i still had oh no you can see it in the 2012 one um uh there's no ping social network in 2008 <laughs> Uh, because I remember, I think it was like iOS five. I forget which one it was specifically, but that was the one where, like, one you had you had the little um, what's the thing, the science symbol, like the, the atom, the, ge- they, genius. the genius playlists. But then also you had the one weird one where there was just some random version of iOS music where they put a thing where just on on the other side of the play, skip track, and next track thing, um, there were just thumbs up buttons. And there were weird things where you could do like social sharing, so you could tell people that you like this U two album that Apple forced on your phone. Like it was, it was a weird time. <laughs> and luckily, I uh, Apple is probably not on schedule to make another failed social network until twenty nineteen. There you go, because it's like every seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, maybe I work in the cloud as a as a social network. We just don't know about it. Maybe. Um, other Apple stuff. There were there were um. A uh, boy genius report, which actually have they ever, other than in the old days of like BlackBerry leaks, have they ever had like a a reliable scoop on anything? Not, not that I can recall. Yeah, so they had this alleged exclusive story where um, Apple was going to deploy one password to all their employees, which numbers in the hundreds of thousands, and that they were going to potentially acquire one password. One password then released a, a tweet speaking as though it's an application, which I appreciate. Rumors of my acquisition are completely false. My humans and I are happily independent and plan to remain so. So that was a very short-lived article. I did appreciate um, on Daring Fireball, uh, Gruber uh, backtracks so quickly on his thing, where he says, great news, a resounding endorsement for one password. Um if Apple thinks one password is this good, an acquisition seems obvious. And then immediately after one password says no, he says, the more I think about it, the weirder the story seems. <laughs> Convenient. Top, not- top-, top notch covering your butt. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. 
I, I, the acquisition thing didn't ring true just because if you think about a lot, I don't know how many of the WWDC developer sessions or if you watch the state of the union or not, but like their whole thing was they actually uh, made it so that one password and third party pass uh, password managers don't have to do that weird step anymore. Like, you know, where you have to hit the share sheet and then choose your password manager. Like, and it's just like two extra steps versus using the the built-in keychain. Right. They made it so it's not that way anymore. And you can kind of just say, like, I, I endorse one password and it's just a, it's just a straight shot. So, yeah, so that, that seems like that's going nowhere. Um, and then there was also, we probably won't have a ton to say about this, but in TechCrunch, uh, Matt Panzerino had a... <laughs> I don't, is there a term for those stories where it's basically uh, Apple wants to have a story that seems journalistic, but like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there is insight to be gained from it, but it's basically just like what could have been a press release, but they want to act like there's some reporting involved. Yeah. A, a, a controlled leak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, Panzerino's a great journalist in the sense that he's probably asking a lot of questions that maybe there was some... Like I know Apple like is very tight lipped. I don't think they would slip up on anything, but maybe there's some insight that was gained that they wouldn't have proactively shared. But there's a good narrative around it where apparently um Apple Maps is getting redone almost entirely in-house, whereas in its current state it relies on a ton of external data from TomTom and a few others. Um and they are using their kind of um a part of their self-driving car efforts and like I don't think that was directly stated, but they have their Apple mapping vans going around and they're trying to get the best data they can from uh, from the horse's mouth or for, from, the, from themselves from firsthand uh, experience, which cool. I still don't ever think it's going to be as good as Google. Like, I mean, just because it's not their core competency. I don't know. Hopefully it's good. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't take Jason to somebody's house when he's trying to return. Right <laughs> that was a funny story. Very good episode. Um, yeah, that's cool. And then lastly, uh, or did you have anything to share about that? Not really. Uh, I mean, no. I mean, a- Apple Maps, you know, needs to be rethought. And to be fair, Google Maps has also gone through some dramatic design changes over the years. So, you know, this just seems like something that any new major piece of software is going to go through. Yeah. The only thing is that just Google Maps is the, the, no matter what the design has been, and even though they've taken some missteps over the years, the design is always rock solid. Or sorry, the da- the data. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the design I've I could take or leave, but yeah, you're right. The the data is second to none. Yeah, and then lastly, um, there's another thing or another story about in the Financial Times about Apple Music. Where apparently, where do I scroll to the numbers? As of last week, Apple had twenty between twenty one and twenty one and a half million U.S. subscribers, whereas Spotify had uh, twenty two million, according to industry executives. Uh, a year ago, Spotify had uh, seventeen million versus Apple's thirteen million. So, I mean, by the virtue of being the built in default option and also an extremely liberal three month trial, like I mean, so Apple is succeeding in Apple Music. I I get it, but I'm still as a Spotify user, I'm still hoping that they succeed and eventually like I don't know, cuz it just I I I'm nostalgia I'm it's their only business and I think I think they try harder than Apple and they probably love music more than Apple. I don't know. I I I hope Spotify still succeeds, but it it seems like it's Apple Music with all their built-in advantages and kind of the moat of iOS 
they are succeeding in the sense that the, it's kind of like the warriors where you can't not succeed. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think anyone who didn't think that Apple music was going to instantly rival Spotify was sort of kidding themselves. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think I'm surprised. Hmm. I'm surprised there hasn't been as much um, customer churn with Spotify. I think the people who have Spotify actually like it a lot where they're not winning. Like I think Apple is probably growing the streaming market overall, but I don't think they're really getting a lot of switchers, which I think overall is probably pretty good. And I think that speaks to the fact that Spotify, I know music streaming, and we've talked about this a lot, is a very low margin, probably negative margin. Like it's just, it's kind of a weird business, but I think like Spotify actually has, like, I don't think it's, they're going to get steamrolled. I think there's a, a decent shot for them to continue with fervent fans. And also on Android, I, even though Apple music exists on Android, I think the fact that it's called Apple music probably doesn't play that well with Android people. Right. So you're still on Pandora music. I am. And you have no other streaming services. No. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, for me, it works because I'm pretty 50, 50 between radio and on demand. Mm -hmm. So if I can use one app to do both, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much always going to prefer Pandora for radio. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. All right. We'll push all the rest of this until next week. Busy crowded show. Uh, what do you got for chef's corner? And it can't be your car. Uh, no, not my car. Um, I have something a little more abstract just to kind of in spirit of our new kind of chef's corner philosophy. Um, sure. And that is high quality service. Hmm. Where over the last week, I've kind of seen both ends of the spectrum where um, in the case of the company that came out and installed my uh, Tesla wall charger, the the guy who came out and did that just could not have been better. He was so nice, so professional, answered all my questions, explained a bunch of interesting stuff to me, you know, walked through all the different options, stayed a little later to make sure that he could finish everything in one trip. Like, just like, just incredible. And like, little touches like that just make such a big difference. Um, whereas, you know, had um, kind of like an experience um, while traveling, um, no need to get into details from this last week, but where it's just like little things like where you just don't feel like you're cared for as a customer, where it just, it, it really kind of just makes you feel kind of frustrated and, and crappy and like you're, you're not spending your money the way that you want to. Whereas when you get really good service, you feel good about spending the money and I don't know, just service is such a key part of how you feel about um products and companies and it's it's you know it, it's refreshing when you get that really really good service yeah that that makes a lot of sense and that hmm, because it's trick yeah no i don't know because hmm. the the local handyman slash electrician thing is actually like a really interesting one because that is the way that, the, like, just in the era of, like, the internet and just, like, everything as a review and everything, like, that's where people have to try really hard. And also that exceptional service can actually 
like yield positive results because that is a very word of mouth thing where there's like yeah no that that makes total sense can you give me you don't have to give names but can you give maybe uh like an industry like a, a situation where you got less than stellar service yeah i mean like with like you know the the hotel from this this past week um you know, we just because of the logistics, like actually made two different reservations to cover the two the 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 full set of nights that we were there. And at the time that I made that second second reservation, you know, asked the question like, "Hey, I just want to make sure that like you know we'll be able to stay in the same room the whole trip and everything." And they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, of course, like we'll make that happen." And then we get there and they tell us the exact opposite, and. They, you know, they say that we're going to have to like move rooms and like, we say like, well, no, that's, that's not okay. And they, you know, respond with, well, there's nothing we can do. And so then you have to like go down the path of like, well, like, I, I like, I, like, I want to talk to like your manager. And then if, like, as soon as we did that, of course, like all of a sudden it just became like, okay. So it's like, well, why, why did we have to go through this whole thing in the first place? Why couldn't you have just taken the extra step that you just did to make it happen originally and proactively, you know? little things like that yeah that makes sense it yeah was, were you was that a boutique place or a chain place no it was a, a chain place okay um and you know what hmm, i'm not sure i really have one this week so i'm going to recycle a uh, something i saw on twitter which is i'm I, i'm gonna make my chef special um ben affleck because i, I don't know if you saw this but there was an interview that he gave in 2013 or sorry in 2003 uh pitching some just random it was like on a press junket for some like random movie and he basically predicted the economics of spotify and netflix uh 15 years ago and it's terrifyingly accurate so i will uh, send you a link so you can put it in the thing but uh it, it, it's shocking where he basically uh completely predicts music streaming and how um $10 a month or some type of annual service charges uh, exactly the way the market would go. And he explained all the economic interests of it. And it was real, a really cogent argument uh, from somebody living 15 years in the future. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anything really stands out this week. So we'll go with that. Okay. That works. <laughs>